G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To be able to say, I I was there, I was 16 and scared to death, even though I, I had that support. It's not for me to judge them. But it's had these conversations that have come up of, well, how do I find hope and healing? When it comes to the subject of saving pre-born babies, there is a great debate and great emotion. Part of Focus's role is to better inform and equip our listeners in how to address this issue that shows empathy for the mother and all those involved. This is part two of a conversation with Robin Chambers, who's the Vice President of Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family in the United States. We'll be discussing the value of life and how we can show love and support. That's Robin Chambers, our guest today, along with my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia. And as you would imagine, we want to give you a little ears warning. And a special thanks to the team in the United States for allowing us to use their studio and record this interview. You mentioned about the division even within the pro-life movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's caused division even within the church. So how do we align biblical worldview to this? How can we say, when does life begin? Mm. You know, the ultimate question. Yeah. And then how do we see it through the biblical worldview? What a great question, because, you know, right now there's so much talk about healthcare and women's rights and women's mm-hmm. health care. And so looking at, if we go back to just science for a second, you go back to science, there are medical journals from people who don't necessarily claim a faith journey or faith of any kind, they say they now have medical information, scientific information. Um, In fact, I want to read something to you. It says, a study in embryology, a developing embryo contains unchanging genetic information for the life it contains. Mm -hmm. So the baby has separate DNA from that mama. That is a separate life. That's scientific journals that are saying this. And then you go back to scripture, and one of my favorites is... In Luke one fifteen, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Yeah. That's the Elizabeth yeah. and Mary conversation. Mm. So looking at it from a biblical perspective, God never said, well, at 15 weeks, then the baby is viable, right? It's no, from the mother's womb. And then scripture that talks about he knit me together in the darkness. Womb. Yeah. You know, in the hidden places. God knew from the very beginning what he was creating. And that's a precious individual life made in his image separate from the image of his mama and daddy. I I absolutely love that scripture Mm. that you were knit together in your mother's womb and and what God has to say. And you only have to go through any of the scriptures where he knows the hairs on your head. Mm. You know, your name is written in the palm of his hand. All all of those things. I I mean, I remember with our son going through a, a difficult time, just printing out everything God says about Mm. us right from being knit in the mother's womb about how precious Mm -hmm. we are in the sight of God. Right. Um, And so to help people who are in that position to understand how precious that little individual is already Mm. um, as they're considering what they need to do. And I love that you are 
so passionate in this area. Yeah. Um, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> it doesn't take much for Kate to cry. Much, it's always on the surface. But, yeah. but I'm so, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think God's um, nudging, you know, 19 years ago of the now it's time. You know, I argue with the Lord. I don't often win. Um, <laughs> Not about two. None of us do. Very rarely. But I said, I will do this if it brings you glory. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've had such amazing conversations with young women who've made a different decision. Mm. But to be able to say, I, I was there. I was 16 and scared to death. Even though I, I had that support. It's not for me to judge them. But it's had these conversations that have come up of, well, how do I find hope and healing? And what an opportunity we have to say, I'm going to introduce you. Now, Kate, you're going to make me cry. I'm going to introduce you to the author of life. Mm-hmm. That's where you find hope and healing. I had a young woman who worked for me years ago, and she came to me one day, and she said, I think I'm going to resign. And I was like, why? You know, and I'm thinking, I did something wrong. And she said, I don't feel like I am worthy mm. because I've had two abortions. And I said, then you're supposed to be right here because this is where you start that journey to find wholeness yeah. and hope and healing in that. And then you, in turn, can turn that around and start telling other women, there's hope. Nothing mm. is ever Jesus, wasted in grace. Right. Yeah. Jesus is meeting us right here. She just hugged my neck and she said, I've never had anyone say, there's hope and healing in Jesus. Mm. And she goes, I'm a Christ follower. And she said, and Jesus will meet me. And I said, right here, right now. Jesus can meet you and provide that hope and healing. So I've stayed in contact with her, and she is in a wonderful place in her life. She's gone through post-abortive healing at pregnancy centers, Mm -hmm. like you said, your pregnancy help organizations, and now she's telling the story. Yeah. And so what was in secret, her shame, and Satan's using that to tell her she's not worthy, she's now saying, but my Jesus made me worthy, and let me tell you about it. Well, none of us are worthy without Jesus. Right. (laughs) None none are righteous, no, not one. Right. I think that's a great segue to go into a little bit more detail. We talk about um, the individuals getting around and support. How can the church be more supportive of mothers and how can it be more welcoming, but not just welcoming for an unplanned pregnancy and encouraging her to keep the child, Mm. but also, as you said, you know, like that shame, that guilt, if they have had an experience or chosen an abortion, how can we be more receiving and more receptive and more welcoming. What are some keys? Because we're fallen, we make mistakes, mm-hmm. we, we can say the wrong things, but how can the church be better at this? Through our huge post-roll strategy, one of the things that I said was a key, really, in what we're calling a post-roll America, is connecting the church to a pregnancy center. Because if the pregnancy center is the one on that front line, you know, yeah. that's they're kind of the triage, if you will, then having that church connected to the pregnancy center, that's a way to introduce that young woman to a church in a non-scary way. She's yeah. not going to walk in on a Sunday yeah. morning by herself. But having the church be the one that hosts a post-abortion healing class yeah. or parenting classes at the church or you have material resources at the church, then that all of a sudden she's like, oh, that's my support. I can go there. I'm not judged. And having them be so tied to that pregnancy help center um, in their community, now all of a sudden that young woman is going, okay, I'm not afraid of the church anymore. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the senior pastor. Asking a senior pastor to do one more thing, we don't oh, want to yeah. do that. It takes a team. We, mm, we know that they're overwhelmed, but having maybe even a lay person in the church who says, God's laid this on my heart, here's something I can do. Um, we work with an organization called Embrace Grace, and they teach 
churches really how to be that open door. And they have a 13-week Bible study that they host at the church for women who've come from the pregnancy center, and they go through this Bible study. And the, mm. the entire foundation is you're valuable, your life is valuable because of who you are in Christ. Yeah. And then, again, she's going to this Bible study with other young women. They're in the exact same situation as her, so she doesn't feel alone. And the church now becomes that safe place for That's her. Right. And at the end of the, the Bible study, they do a shower. Even for the young women who've made an adoption plan, they still have a shower and they say, we're loving on you. You're a princess for the day, mm. queen for the day, and we're going to love on you and show you the love of Christ. And it's the practical side of things. Yeah. And they've had over 6,000 women come to Christ through that. Wow. And so again, you're introducing them to church and you're introducing them to the author of life in a really non-threatening way. Yeah. You mentioned, and I should just get a definition because some people you said oh because you, you know it post-abortion syndrome mm -hmm. and for those who haven't heard this, this is similar to post-traumatic stress disorder can you just unpack that a little bit more for our listeners these are women who for whatever reason and sometimes we don't need to ask that question they've had an abortion decision in their past and with that as i said earlier if that woman feels like she's still in that place of shame there's unresolved grief even if she feels like that was her only option, she still innately knows God made me to be a mama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God designed my body to do that, and now she's trying to reconcile the decision that she made. And there's sadness, there's anger, there's grief. And you think about all the books that talk about the grief journey. What if there's never a way for her to express that? There's mm -hmm. never a way for her, because if she says, I'm grieving over this, well, then the community of pro-choice say, oh, no, 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 shout your abortion. This is your right. You should have done this. Great job. Good on you. So where is she in There's that argument? Right. Yeah. I don't think this was right, but I didn't have an option. But these people are saying, oh, but you're wonderful for doing this. Yeah. This is a great decision. So the tension of that and not knowing where she belongs yeah. You know, and again, it's going back to who is she in Christ? If she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, she doesn't know that there's somebody who's waiting, mm -hmm. pursuing her to say you can find hope and healing. What we see in the journal that I mentioned earlier, their study, um, there's an increase in suicidal thoughts because it's unresolved grief. The percentages are astronomical, literally an increase of 240% chance, 240 chance of having some type of abuse or addiction in her life, alcohol abuse or drug addiction. And that's yeah. because they don't feel worthy. Mm -hmm. mm, because yeah. it's unresolved grief. There is still a loss. There is still a loss of something that she knows was a part yeah. of her. I was a nurse for 15 years, mm -hmm. and I remember dealing with this when patients came in, even just after a spontaneous miscarriage, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing a study, I did a research paper on that, and I said, a woman never forgets a conception, no matter how it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's something we have to be very mindful of and being very sensitive. And it can happen at very periodic times, you know, when the, a child would have turned 21 or, mm -hmm. you know, the, it can happen. And it also, and I understand that men can also go through post-abortion syndrome as well. Absolutely. In fact, one of my colleagues finally started telling his story. He and his girlfriend got pregnant in college and never told anybody. It's that secret that, you know, mm -hmm. everyone hides. Um, and all these years later, he started talking about this, and he said one of the things that helped was his wife at the time said, you need to go away and spend a weekend with God. You are grieving the loss of this child, and you've never really reconciled it. And through that time of 
just fasting and praying and just time away with the Lord, he said God gave him a picture that it was a son and to name that son and you give dignity to that child. And he said, I finally felt like I could start grieving the loss of that son. And he said, you know, the pain never goes away. The intensity goes away. Mm. But I know I'm forgiven and set free. Yeah. It's very good. Often the father gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? Because sometimes the mum will just make a decision and the father doesn't get a say. How do you speak to mm-hmm. those fathers? Do you come across those fathers who feel so out of it? They don't have mm-hmm. a voice. Absolutely. But our culture has told them, our society has said, this is a woman's issue. It's her body, her choice. Mm. And so how does he step in in a way that's not aggressive or controlling? You know, what blows my mind, I think, is when a man will say, well, I'll go through the abortion with you. I'll pay for that. Can we give him the same freedom to say, I'll go through the pregnancy with you, even if we don't get married, because I still want a part of this child's life. Have we given them that freedom? I don't know that we have. I think we're starting to have more of those conversations um, in winsome ways, not argumentative ways. I love that Um, word, winsome. Yeah, but just to let him know, no, you can speak into this. You know, my my boyfriend, now husband, as I always say, you know, he had the sense of responsibility to say, okay, I'm here. I'm going to stay here. Well, I think that came from his parents because they were very supportive. So. I was going to say that was such a mature Mm -hmm. response. And not that I want to say parents don't. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's part of our role as a parent is to really start, I guess, ingraining, for lack of a better word, that value of life. So he knew that that was his responsibility was to stand by my side. Yeah. You're listening to Robin Chambers, who is the Vice President of Advocacy for Children for Focus on the Family in the United States. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Well, welcome back. I'm Brett Ryan, and along with my wife, Kate, we're chatting to Robin Chambers, who's the Vice President of Advocacy for Children. You're listening to Focus on the Family, Australia. I'd love to be able to unpack a little bit more. Obviously, this discussion could go on for a lot longer. (laughs) But um, we talk about pro-life, but it's not just birthing rights. Mm. What other areas should we be talking about? I love that question. One of the things my team has been talking about is where do we see life? Is it just in the abortion world or the preborn world? And we've said, no, God's called us to a bigger picture. And so when we start talking about other issues outside of preborn and abortion, end of life is one of those issues. And mm-hmm. so our new product, Truthbound, um, their very first episode of that was all about euthanasia and end of life. And what we did was we talked to people who are in that season right now. Yeah. Um, and you start talking about, again, the value of life and end of life is certainly that. And the argument of dying with dignity in physician-assisted suicide is huge here in the United States. Yeah. And, and at home. Always, okay, uh, in, in Australia. And, yep, in yeah, Australia. and there are laws, state by state by state, that are passing You know, the physician-assisted suicide. For me, I think it's it feels like a loss of dignity for that person to say they're no longer valuable because of an age. Mm. And it's kind of that same thing when you're talking about, you know, abortion. Well, it, you know, they're 
at 15 weeks, they're not a baby. At 20 weeks, they're not a baby. Well, same thing. You're saying, okay, at 80, they're not a valuable life anymore. And so telling the story, I think, of those experiences and those older people who we can learn from, Hebrews talks about that, those who've gone before us. Those are the people that we need to lean on. And so focus on the families talking about their stories and even the caregivers in the really, really tough situations and the time. And we have to acknowledge that it is mm. very difficult. Oh, very Watching difficult. a loved one be in excruciating pain, mm-hmm. uh, losing all their faculties, losing their mental acuity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different areas and it is painful. But where do we start and where do we stop? Right. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We talk about quality of life. Mm-hmm. The honoring of that person Mm. and who they are in Christ, but then recognizing, like you said, how painful it is and how hard it is and recognizing that it can't even have an impact on your marriage. You know, how does that impact your family? How does it impact your marriage? Um, We watched my father-in-law suffer for nine months, but one of the things that we all learned, my husband and his brothers, we became his advocate. Mm -hmm. You know, just even talking to the doctors about and the making them comfortable conversations. Um, But... What was so, I think, such a blessing that came out of that, for whatever reason, God let him linger. Through that nine months, he had conversations with every child, grandchild, and great-grandchild that was old enough to verbalize. Yeah. And he shared wisdom, little, little nuggets. nuggets. Yeah. And what a blessing to the family, you know, to have that time with him. Mm. Um, and it was honoring. But I love what you said. It's not easy. It's difficult. And then not to shamelessly plug, but we have Focus on the Family has marriage resources for that and just being prepared. How is this going to impact my marriage? How is this going to impact taking care of my own children? And you're in this kind of in-between of I'm taking care of elderly parents, but I also have children. Mm. And again, just I think reaching out to your church and your family and not being afraid to ask for help sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. And part of this, I I guess this is another aspect of pro-life and empowering women to choose we've seen a higher incidence of because ultrasounds and you know medical advances Mm. can actually predict you know what gender you're going to have if they're going to have a disability Mm. and then we're seeing countries around the world that don't have any children with down syndrome for example so the advocacy for disabled children Mm. and special needs children is that part of the journey here it absolutely is. That's one of we call them buckets. It's one of the big buckets we talk about. Um, and we say it's children, teens, and adults with different abilities yeah. and telling their story. We feel like that is the way that we start changing hearts and minds, obviously in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. But you start telling those stories, instead of hearing all the negative, you see all of the amazing yeah. things that these people can do. And you start sharing that from, again, a biblical perspective of all life is valuable, all life matters, and you start having those winsome conversations of, okay, so you had maybe a, a diagnosis of Down syndrome, and the question is always, now what? You know, And finding a pro-life physician is key. Finding a community, in fact, I just went to a birthday party on Saturday for a little, little one with Down syndrome, Aspen, turned a year old, and there were times we didn't think she was going to make it. And her mama really struggled when she got that diagnosis. She said, I waited 10 years for this baby, and then God did this. And so this many months later, she said, God did this. (laughs) You know, and it's just this beautiful smile. And so having those conversations, telling those stories, and so we talk about that all the time. So we talk about abortion, preborn, end of life, special needs. 
Um, but we also talk about foster care and adoption. And that's one of the arguments, too, is, well, why would you bring a baby, an unwanted baby, into this world and it yeah. goes into foster care? Well, first of all, there's no statistic that even really validates that comment. Mm. Um, but we talk about finding forever families for children in foster care. Yeah. yeah. In Australia, adoption doesn't take place a great deal, unfortunately, mm. but the needs of foster care have significantly increased. And there's one thing where I think we can all agree, that all children deserve an opportunity mm. to have a mother or a father to be able to support and love them. Right. And I think it's one thing that I think the church could do better mm. of embracing children uh, that don't have that opportunity to actually give either the parents a respite, foster parents some respite mm-hmm. and I've met some Kate and I've met some amazing oh, foster parents and we've done the training uh, but our travel <laughs> doesn't uh, allow us to do that but we have seen that that's something that the church could do tangibly and make a significant difference mm-hmm. here in the United States could you tell us some stories about that oh I would love to how much time do we have now um, one of the things that Focus on the Family launched about 11 years ago was what we called a Wait No More event. Wait No More, meaning wait no more for a forever family. And so we partnered with the church to say, can we come in and just talk to your community about the number of children in foster care in your community? When you start talking national numbers, I think people get really overwhelmed because yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Right now in the United States, there's 440,000 children in foster care. Out of that, 110,000 are what we call legal orphans, meaning they're available for adoption in the United States. And so you start talking about those big numbers, and people tend to freeze. It's almost that fight or flight. Well, they don't do either. They freeze. Mm. But you start talking about the children in their community. Maybe it's 2,000. You're like, oh, all the churches in our community would get involved. We literally could wipe out the number of children in our community and put them in forever families. And so we've had the privilege of doing those in-person events until COVID. Then obviously no one had events anywhere. Mm. But what that did was it forced us to still have that same message, but do it in a digital format. And the reach has been even greater than we anticipated. So we just launched a brand new website. It's called, again, Wait No More. But it takes someone on a journey. Maybe you're saying, I don't know what it means to be a foster parent. Like, what does that entail? And so you go on this journey of what it means to become a foster parent, doing the training that you said or the paperwork or a different journey. I am a foster parent, but I want to adopt this child. What does that look like? And so that website is beautifully done and it takes them on four different journeys, including respite care. You know, maybe God hasn't called you to adopt or foster but God has called you to provide care for the families that have. What does that look like? It's practical. It's, hey, you know what? I'm running to the grocery store. Do you need anything? Can I pick up some milk? You know, that type of thing. But it's also financial. And then one of the most fun things that we're doing at Focus right now is called the suitcase program. Often children are removed from the home, and what little bit they have is in a grocery bag, little plastic bag, or garbage bag. So you're just reinforcing that they're, again, like you said, Kate, not valuable. They're garbage because my stuff is in garbage. And so we're doing a brand-new suitcase, little roller bag with handles so littles can pull it, with a teddy bear and a Bible. And inside the Bible is a label that says you're valuable, you're loved, and you're seen. God loves you. And so we're partnering with churches. And it really is a very easy on-ramp for a church to kind of figure out what it means to have a really robust pro-life ministry within their church walls. What does it look like to do a packing party? Do you want to come together and put the suitcases together, the suitcase and the bear and the Bible? 
Um, and it's an easy way for a church to get involved. And then we connect them with a child placement agency in their community. And then those suitcases go directly to child and foster care. So this is something brand new. We've only done 16,000 suitcases. Only. I, well, I'm challenging <laughs> that's, the that's team. That's phenomenal. We're going to do 110,000 over oh, the next three years. That's amazing. I want every child in foster care available for adoption to have a suitcase. So when they go to their forever family, their stuff is in that bag. Yeah. So it's so fun to watch churches get involved. I mean, literally from elementary age kiddos all the way to the elderly prayer group of women in that church get involved in this and that really is the hands and feet of jesus impacting a child i'm hoping that many of our listeners today will be able to be inspired to Mm -hmm. think hey i could do that i could put my hand up to be Mm -hmm. able to help people in our last few moments let's go back to the Mm pro-life what would you like to be able to say to an individual right now or in a church to be able to embrace and welcome people from all different backgrounds, those who have got the unplanned pregnancy, want it but don't know how to do it, or those who have even made the unenviable decision to terminate. What would you like to say? Oh, I love that question. First and foremost, ask questions, gentle questions, not judgmental questions. And it can look as, as simple as, how can I support you? How can I help you? Can I pray with you? Can we have a conversation? Um, it's not the time to throw scripture at them. It's time to listen yeah. to their story, listen to their heart. Um, I guarantee you a woman in either of those situations still has grief. Um, even this many years later, my son will be 43 in August. Um, I still have those moments where I feel shame because I made that decision. But someone coming alongside and listening to my story Instead of judging me, instead of talking at me, they're talking with me, heals my heart every time. Yeah. So ask questions and listen gently. Yeah. Speaking of scriptures, it just came to me about the scripture from Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Well, the reward that we're hearing in your vulnerability and sharing today, Robin, we are so grateful. Mm. And thank you for being on the front line, the advocate for life here in the United States and the ripple effect across this world. Thank you so much for having me on and God bless you. And I'll come to Australia soon. <laughs> <laughs> we at Focus are proud to partner with organizations that support women during their pregnancy journey, like Pregnancy Help Australia and The Babes Project. If you're listening to this and something has triggered you and you would like someone to talk to or to provide some pro-life resources, please visit our website at families.org.au. Now free pastoral care services and resources are only made available because of the generosity of people that have a heart for families. So thank you to those that financially give and pray for the ministry. Please consider partnering with us so we can help more Australian families thrive in Christ. And thank you for joining us today on behalf of Kate and the rest of the team. I'm Brett Ryan, inviting you to tune in for another episode of Focus on the Family, Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.